Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of September 12, 2021. The following events will be held on the KCB Zoom line and are open to all who wish to attend. Join from your computer, cell phone, or landline by calling 669-900-6833 and entering the code 862-9889-6972 or join through the Zoom link found in the event announcements on our email list. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired in Owensboro will hold its monthly meeting on Tuesday, September 14. It's a picnic, and they hope you will come and share a wonderful outdoor activity with them. For details, contact Cheryl Lott, SEVI President, at 270-686-8689. The September 15 support group, sponsored by the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, is canceled. However, CCLVI, the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, has completely revised its meetings and support groups. Watch for their announcements of these excellent programs on the KCB email list or call us at 502-895-4598 for details. The September 17 Roundabout, sponsored by the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, will include page turners. Come and share good books that you think others will enjoy. We will also play word games as time permits. On September 24, GLCB will hold its quarterly meeting. We will have a speaker updating us on requirements and details related to the new real IDs that will soon be required in Kentucky. The time for the roundabout and the quarterly meeting is 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. And of course, everyone is welcome. The next meeting of the Tri-State Library users is on Saturday, September 18 at 11 a.m. Find out more about Tri-State Library users by contacting Natalie Couch, TOU President, at 217-369-5139. The next KCB board meeting will be on Monday, September 20 at 8 p.m. The meeting is open and all are welcome to attend. KCB Next Generation will hold its September Support Group meeting on Thursday, September 23 at 8 p.m. Call Ben Wright, Next Gen President, at 734-968-8211 for more information. Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana invites everyone to its September meeting on Monday, the 27th at 7 p.m. You're invited to share stories about your guide dog. This will be a great evening of sharing. For a complete calendar of events sponsored by KCB and its chapters, visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org and follow the events link. Thanks to Rick Bogus for his dedicated service in keeping the events page up to date. Library Users of America, LUA, invite you to its next Library Without Walls on Wednesday, September 15 at 8.30 p.m. Come share your favorite fiction and favorite nonfiction book. The dial-in number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 526-727-187. The passcode, should you need it, is 582-582. The next ACB Families program is on Sunday, September 19 at 9 p.m. Eastern. 
The topic is easy cooking ideas and ways to transform leftovers into tasty yet simple meals. Watch the ACB community list, the families list, and the KCB email list for the Zoom dial-in information. And finally, for those of you who want to keep up to date with the latest happenings at the ACB Mini Mall, we're pleased to tell you that both the black and blue fanny packs are in stock and that the new round and square bubble pop fidgets have also arrived. Participate in our ACB Community Mini Mall Mayhem event on Wednesday, September 22. Exact time and Zoom number will be announced in the community events listing. Remember that you can order for the Mini Mall by calling us at 877-630-7190. The American Council of the Blind elected officers, directors, and members of the Board of Publications at this year's virtual convention. Kenneth Simeon from Beaumont, Texas, is one of the three directors elected to the board. Meet Kenneth on page two. Exhibits are always a popular part of any ACB convention, whether it be virtual or in person. On page three, you'll get a little look at exhibits from the 2021 convention. First, you'll hear Michael Smitherman, ACB exhibits coordinator, introducing the eight hours of programming presented on the Convention Exhibits channel. And you'll hear him read the list of companies that participated in the ACB exhibits this year. Then, as an example of a virtual exhibit, listen to information presented by the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, NLS. Want to hear more from the Convention Exhibits? Visit acbmedia.org slash podcasts and follow the exhibits link to hear more from your favorite companies. As always, we welcome your feedback and suggestions for sound prints. Let us know what you enjoy or what you would like to hear in the future. Give us a call at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page two. I'm speaking with Kenneth Simeon, who is one of the new members of the ACB Board of Directors. Kenneth was elected in July at the uh, 2021 Virtual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind, and we are really pleased to have Kenneth on the board. Kenneth is from Beaumont, Texas, and he's with us today to kind of introduce himself to our listeners. Some of you have probably heard him on Soundprints before. He's been on our program several times over the years, but he'll be new to some of you as well. So welcome, Kenneth. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Kenneth, let's begin by you just introducing yourself to us. I mean, we, we know you at conventions, especially for being in charge of the uh, first-timers, the DKM first-timers committee, and also doing the J.P. Morgan Chase leadership um, program. But tell us about Kenneth outside of that committee. Just introduce us to you and take us back to before ACB. Okay. Well, I'm from uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, originally, and I've been in Texas for nearly 45 years of my young life. And uh, so I'm the last of 12 siblings. Uh, we happen to have 
six girls and six boys uh, uh, that were born into this family. And uh, so you could imagine how uh, things went in that house uh, as children. But we weren't all there at the same time. Some of them were they're much older than me. Older than me, my oldest brother is 82 years old, and I'm the young guy of 60 years old. So wow, uh, yeah. But uh, we are, you know, really connecting better as adults uh, these days. Uh, you know, and the age doesn't make a difference in our family now. But I'm a proud grandfather of two. My grandson that's about to be 18 in a few months, and my granddaughter just became nine in August. And uh, so proud of them, just glad to have them in my life. They really give me hope, gave me hope after I experienced vision loss in 2002. Uh, so, yeah, I worked for, I uh, started off with the Southwest, with Southwestern Bell, local telephone company, and uh, ended up uh, switching to AT&T. The name changed uh, within my 22-year tenure, and from Southwestern Bell to SBC to AT&T, now we're back to AT&T, although I'm not <laughs> at work, you know, now I am still, you know, receiving payment and also uh, as uh, a person that's uh, enjoying life now pretty much with a lot of volunteer work, family life uh, has been very important to me. So in the midst of all of my volunteer work uh, in the community, locally, uh, on the state, I serve on several committees outside of our organization and just trying to help in uh, various ways uh, for people with disabilities to have a greater uh, life uh, and try to make sure we do work together collaboratively to advocate effectively for all uh, to have equal access to things we need access to. So you said you lost your vision in 2002. Uh, was that sudden or was that a slow process? Well, and it was very sudden. Uh, you know, I worked in Beaumont for, for years, and all of a sudden my job transferred me to Houston. And so while being there, uh, it was wintertime and all of a sudden, I contracted uh, meningitis, a severe oh, case my. of it that prompted a hospital stay. And it was also sudden, but I was putting in a lot of work hours, and I thought maybe I'm just tired because I'm not um, sleeping enough and all that, but really uh, something was going on that I didn't know of. I began to uh, just experience some negative feelings, uh, loss of taste, and, and other things started happening that were kind of strange, so I knew I needed to get checked out. But one day, I just happened to come home from work, and listening to the news, they were talking about the many cases they had of meningitis in Houston where some of the younger uh, people were passing away. And so I didn't know much about it, but I learned from that time, just coming home at the right time and listening. And after that, I said, that's what I'm dealing with, all the symptoms, severe headaches, uh, stiff neck, uh, loss of taste and smell, uh, those kind of things. And I didn't know what was going on, but they explained it all that day. So after that, uh, that evening, I knew the next morning I needed to get uh, to see a doctor and get things checked out. So initially, the doctor I went to just told me uh, everything was okay. You don't have all the symptoms of meningitis, so just take some Tylenol and you'll be okay. But I had already explained to him about the severe headaches where it was, it was worse that very weekend before I saw him. Two more weeks before we really got something going because I had to call him back after leaving there, having someone... Uh, driving me there that day, I said, I thought there would be some tests that would be uh, taken. He said, well, you look fine to me and this and that, So, and uh, you have to be fasting in order for us to do those blood tests. So I said, well, actually I was, and that's I became prepared because I knew I may have, may have to have some type of blood work. So he said, well, okay, come on back. So we turned around and got that done. But 
ended up uh, being in the hospital for through a lot of challenges. Ended up being in the hospital for eight and nine days. Uh, part of that time I was in a coma. Uh, my life just totally changed. Uh, looking forward to going back to work, and I was being called by my job, said, when are you coming back? When They didn't understand. Uh, they didn't understand blindness. I didn't either. So, But I not only became uh, uh, visually impaired, initially I lost all of my sight, and after multiple spinal taps, and that's where the headaches were coming from, the spinal fluid was just sitting on my brain and doing damage to my optic nerves all that time when I didn't know what was going on. And wow. So and so also, after being in a coma, when I came out of it, I was totally deaf in my right ear, and then I found out that they weren't surprised. It's very likely you lose all of your vision, all of your sight. And uh, so I'm just glad that I do have uh, my good left ear that I have to train to work well for me. Uh, in the beginning, it was very challenging. Couldn't hear what you might be saying to me, couldn't understand. Uh, so it was an adjustment period. It was pretty tough for my first two years. And then I found out about a support group, joined them. And they're the ones that introduced me to a local chapter of ACB in Houston, Texas, which uh, we became members for like five years before I came back to Beaumont and started our chapter here. Mm-hmm. Wow, it sounds like a, a yesterday version of the coronavirus almost. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> The first time you came to an ACB convention, what was that, around 2009 or 2010? It was actually 2010. And interestingly, uh, do you know the, t- the year of 2002 when I was in the hospital, ACB had its convention right there in Houston, Texas that oh, very yes, year. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah, I was the assistant convention coordinator that year. So, okay. Yeah. And so once I heard about that, I actually have teased some people who have become my friends that uh, I was in that hospital not knowing what to do, and none of you came over to visit me, you know. And it was pretty <laughs> we much didn't a know joke. you were there, Kenneth. It was really a joke. But, uh, or but we didn't so come and had a party in your room. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah, but things turn out. I have a lot to uh, look back at even through the challenges. A lot that, that turned out very well for me, uh, you know, yeah. looking ahead. Yeah. So. Well, it, that, that, you know, it's always, you know, not a good thing when you when you lose all the vision and, and, and especially having the hearing loss and all that with it and everything. But it certainly was ACB's lucky day when you came to ACB. So uh, that that was a that was a good thing. That first timers program has has done us well. Yes, my uh, affiliate president encouraged me to apply apply for that award. I didn't understand what it was about, and mm-hmm. I, I I was reluctant because it's almost like I was having to brag about myself, and and I was trying. I didn't want to be perceived as arrogant when you put all these great things about yourself in the letter of application. She told yes. me that's what you have to do. She, Carol Edwards, was, was serving on that committee at that time. Oh, yeah. And so today yeah. I'm very glad that she encouraged me to apply. I was selected and had the greatest experience in 2010 in Phoenix, Arizona, and mm-hmm. have been coming back every year. Looking forward to it. Now you are on the ACB board. You actually ran for the board in Rochester. That was your first time running for something. And I think I recall that it was a pretty close election. It was a very close election. It was so sudden, you know, yeah. uh, that position came open all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah. the, the night before, I just, uh, I don't know, several days before, uh, the conversation had gone on uh, about about this possibility. And so I decided to go for it. Yeah, so uh, I, I, it was interesting. I thought it was a very competitive race, and 
I'm telling you, it was so, I had to think about applying again and trying it again because it became so close. That meant I have had some people really considering me, you know, mm-hmm. to serve. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was yeah. happy about that. Well, and some people, when they they try the first time, and especially if it's close, but even if it isn't, they they kind of take it personally. I mean, everybody can't win. And so, you know, they'll get discouraged and they won't try again. We had that Rochester election. And I thought to myself, you know, at that time, I thought, I thought well, surely he will, he will try again. So here we had the election this year for the director position. And I mean, you, you just, you walked in. I, I felt you know? this was my time though. I came back, uh, uh, because I was going to run in 2020, then we didn't have elections. So I tried right. to come back, and I feel like this was my time to, to try to serve on the national level because I had served as affiliate president for three terms, which was six years, been a president of my chapter since it got started back in 2009. And so many things I had done and gotten uh, involved in, uh, even served on our ACB membership committee, of which that was a, a great, great assignment for me. Started a joining of some of our special interest affiliates and uh, just mm-hmm. was excited about everything that was going on. You know? Well, you did all the right things, and plus you were chair of the host committee, the state host committee, when we were in Dallas, and that was that was a good thing. Before we talk about if, if you have some things that you especially are interested in and working on on the board or, you know, what your hopes are for that. Um, tell us first about, you know, hobbies and um, that maybe just things that outside of ACB that you've participated in over the years. Um, maybe what, what you were interested in even, you know, back in school and that kind of thing. You know, one thing, uh, I am a singer, and I was always in the choir, even from early on in my elementary years, um, enjoyed that. I have been a part of several bands, uh, with several of my brothers being a part of that, too. And we participated in a number of talent shows, and so that was a great thing in my younger years uh, to enjoy. But uh, So I enjoy music, love music, all types of music. And, uh, what did you play in the band? I actually played in the band, uh, uh, but I sang, really, in the ones I was oh, speaking of. But okay. I actually played in the band in, in eighth grade. I was a, a trumpet player and okay. really thought I was going to go into that di- direct direction for a while. But ultimately, most of my musical uh, background is singing. Really? Yeah, uh, other than that, I just loved from a young age. I really, uh, my mom, we lost my mom when I was just, I had just become nine in December. She passed away the next month. But I remember some things that she did, volunteering and helping the homeless. And even though I was young, I paid attention to some of those things. So I started volunteering at a young age, uh, helping out in any way I could in the midst of the challenges I was facing back then. And I've gone on to do a lot of that before I came to ACB and still doing some things outside of uh, the bonus community that will make a difference for people. Uh, And I just feel like it's a good thing for me to do, give back, find ways that I can give back through the challenges I faced, I try to help other people who have gone through some tough times and feel like uh, they're alone. I can tell them you're not. I've been there. So many things that I've experienced and came out of in a positive way. Uh, I'm just continuing to be excited about the positive change that is able to come to us. So tell us about some of those things that are the, the other, your other projects. 
as if ACB doesn't take up enough time. <laughs> yes. Well, I actually serve as president of the board of directors for the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities. I've been with them since 2006 as a member. I served on the board, and then I became the board president. Uh, and they just do some great advocacy work. Our state mm-hmm. organization is a member of that uh, coalition, uh, and they advocate on behalf of all people with disabilities. That's why I love being a part of that. Uh, and it's just a great thing. It, it doesn't require as much work uh, as my ACB work does, uh, but it's just a great thing to be a part of. Uh, I serve on the Regional Council on Aging and Disability in my area through the Area Agency on Aging, and I am, have been chair of the disability section since 2011, and it's just been a great ride with them. I've told them often, all, of, all the volunteer work I, am in, I get involved with, I I had to let some things go. That would be one that I just would not let go of. They were, this is a group of people, about 24 folks that work well together, love the bylaws, and everybody understands the purpose uh, for being there, and everybody contributes. We never have uh, disagreements uh, because we all just respect one another's opinion, uh, and it's just been a great, great thing to be a part of. Okay. Well, those, those are good things and good contacts for uh, ACB of Texas as well. Definitely. Did you have other interests? Uh, yeah, I like traveling. I, I always did want to travel. When I was first uh, knowing I was, I was coming up to graduation time, I said, I want to get a job that would allow me to travel. Working for the <laughs> telephone company actually gave me that opportunity. I traveled through the years and also did a lot of traveling with my church, being involved with the church. I did a lot through the church, being fundraising director, a Sunday school teacher, working in the business office and all that, all of that was some good things for me in my young years that years that really taught me some things that I could apply uh, today, even in anything that I'm a part of. But uh, yeah, it's just some of those great things that uh, you just, uh, that come across your path that you just are glad when you look back, uh, how it made, it played a big part in your life. And so getting involved with so many other things, uh, uh, it's good to have some variety in your life. Uh, so, but, so uh, what did you what did you do with AT and T? Well, actually, I had uh, several positions through my 22 years. I actually mm-hmm. started off in operator services as a telephone operator. That was not the job I wanted. Okay, <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually wanted to be one of the technicians uh, because I was determined to make some money, and they made more money. But there, there was a lot of requirement on your time on that end. So, after I look back, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. So I came in, 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 in that, that entry level and uh, ended up becoming a manager and uh, been a part of so many things that allowed me to just learn and grow in different departments. Uh, worked in sales, uh, and that, that those sales really helped me out in various ways. Uh, and then the revenue management, uh, and that was so interesting to me, uh, look at data, look at finances and look at what we're trying to achieve. We're not in business just to say we're taking calls and things like that. So I've been a manager of operator services after I went to sales and came back uh, with the management position and uh, had some great teams. We had self-directed teams that I enjoyed working with. They always had great performance. And so when I got rewarded for their performance, my uh, it was viewed as my good performance. So I rewarded them when I was rewarded. And so I apply a lot of that uh, to even today, things that I'm a part of. I'll bet you would have a lot to say to the young people today that think they need to start at the top because they're so special, right? 
Oh, I'm, you, you may have heard me say that before, but I, I'm so uh, concerned about that. Always, I'm glad that I had an opportunity to, to build that foundation and not just want to start, start from the top and miss out on so much. You learn as you grow uh, from that foundation you begin to build. So much you can learn and, and, uh, and you gradually grow into the next step. And along the way, you pick up all kinds of skills and mm-hmm. and and get to know people. Yeah. Sometimes the strength is is in who you know, and yes. you know what you have done. But but who you know who can help you get to the next level or make that next connection that that you need to make, and that translates into whether you're. You know whether it's um, work or volunteer or um, work in an organization, whatever. You know, those kind of skills work wherever you are. Correct, and I think this is a good topic to talk about in regard to uh, leadership because uh, some of the younger generation. I'm working to try to reach them to understand how to connect with them to help them to move forward in a positive way uh, because they can, you can be excited about getting a position or titles. And it's much more than that, you know. And yeah. the benefits of working with other people, you learn from them, and there's some things you can share uh, with them as well. So, Kenneth, let's let's chat just a little bit then um, about you know that you're one of the four new people on the board. You certainly aren't Nita ACB. The the others that are on the other new people on that board. We talked to Deb Cook Lewis last week, and we'll talk to Connie, and we'll talk to Chris in coming editions of Soundprints, but none of you just kind of showed up at ACB last year, and here you are. (laughs) Correct. So so, as a result, um, I'd be willing to guess that each of you has very different interests um, or different hopes as to where um, either ACB will, will go or what you would see as your role on the board. So, just tell us a little bit about, you know, why why you're um, glad to be on the board and, and, and what you hope you'll be able to help us accomplish. Well, I, I was so glad to be able to serve because ACB is doing so much uh, to make a difference. And I, one of my biggest things is uh, providing access, accessibility. We ask for access, so we need to provide it. And ACB is giving, opening that door for everybody to be able to participate by phone, uh, you know, through through Zoom, the platform, you have all these options, but ACB has given you the you know, Braille, large print, uh, the cartridge, NLS cartridge. You have access to all this information. And we have the podcast. We have uh, ACB Media Network. Nobody's being left out. If they want to tune in, we have email lists. You, there's so many ways that you can connect and learn uh, about the organization. Uh, so, I'm, uh, you know, really careful uh, to respond when people, I hear people complaining about ACB is not doing this, they're not doing that. I believe we all should be paying, playing a part, but also before you say we're not doing it, find out what we are doing. And uh, I I really just enjoy being a part of what's, what's going on. And I feel like while this momentum is building, uh, I want to be a part of that. And mainly the, the one re- re- big reason for me is trying to consider people to come behind us because um, you know, looking at our board of directors, the majority of us are 60 and above, you know. Uh, yes. I, what I can recall, there are about two people that are not uh, at, at age 60. 
And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, we need some younger people, and so uh, we do have our ACB Next Generation group that's working well. I do appreciate being a part of that. But I want to help to sustain ACB uh, moving forward, uh, and this goes not just for the national level, on our state affiliate level. I'm not sure about uh, how it's working with our with our special interest affiliates as to whether people are stepping up to serve, preparing themselves to serve, first of all. We well, now need, that's the key. <laughs> yeah, we need that. So yeah. We need that uh, on all levels. We need that, and uh, we just uh, need to really start working hard to identify that younger group of people that are really going to be interested in really connecting with the mission, the purpose, and the vision of ACB to see where they fit in and how they can contribute to, to make things happen. You know, we all mm-hmm. have, have our niche. If we find that, that's what I want to do on our board. You know, I can't do it all, but I want to contribute in any way I can. But I, I want to find my niche, and I really believe I connect with, there was a reason why I ended up requesting to be on that DCAM committee after becoming a recipient. And now uh, what I'm doing with that committee connects with what I want to achieve uh, and assist ACB in achieving. You know, uh, in regard to future leaders and helping them, and as we help others, I, I'm still being developed through the process. As I help them, they share things with us uh, each year. You know, mm-hmm. so I believe that's the biggest thing that I, I I know I can contribute to right now to make it work somehow. Just joining with others that, and what I did here during our candidates forums, every person that was seeking office, they were talking about mentoring, talking about future leadership. Uh, and, and we shared some tips throughout those times, and and I think everybody was on the same page when you would read those letters uh, that they submitted where we answered those questions uh, that each candidate was expected to respond to. We we had a lot of a lot of things in common that we were viewing uh, that we can mm-hmm. work together on. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the problems when it comes to um, the new person getting on the board. Um, and who really hasn't been well connected uh, in, and hasn't come through this committee process and then been involved in several committees and chapters and affiliates and things, is that I think sometimes people don't realize how much time it takes. And sometimes it's really hard for uh, depending on, of course, the person's job or whatever, it's hard for a person who is working to have the time to really fill a lot of the duties that um, have come to be expected of board members. And and that sort of can be counterproductive at pulling in younger people because they you hope that they're working and because they need to eat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a great point to bring up. And yeah. uh but the key I, I just really feel the key is serving well where you can, yeah. where you feel you fit and doing well in that area that with the time you have you to offer. Correct. And you have to set boundaries. I, I set some boundaries before I, I came on because before I just thought I had to do everything and I just know I have to set some boundaries because uh, it's so so many assignments come up and you can't say yes to everything. But, uh, and it will absorb. Well. Yeah, yeah, it will absorb every minute you have. That's correct. Um, That's correct. If, every if, day, you know, yes. you can find yourself. There's so much to be done, and some may not even know of it. As I say in my state, we are doing things every day, 
And other people might say, what are you doing? We're not having a conference or anything, but we're constantly planning for something coming up, you know. Yeah. And yeah. It, we can't start uh, a, a month before the conference. We plan well in advance to get things uh, situated to make it the best it can be, you know. Mm -hmm. So planning mm -hmm. is very important, and looking at the big picture is so important because uh, you, you can't miss a beat uh, when it comes to uh producing something that's going to really make a difference and make an impact as you want to make an impact on the lives of those who will be in attendance. Right, right. Well, you can, we can go back over the last 11 years from the point that um, that you came as a first-timer. And, I mean, it's true for the years before this, too. But in the time that you've been at ACB and then been participating either as a member or as chair – of the uh, DKM committee, and uh, when the leadership committee came along, or you were participating in that as well as a member of that committee, participating in that and then uh, organizing it, getting it, keeping it moving forward. There have been a lot of people come through that program, come to conventions as part of that program, and not all of them coming for the first time, of course, because the leadership uh the the JP Morgan leaders um those don't have to be first timers but but what that does and people say oh well those people come before anyway but that program helps to steer them in the direction of growing more in what they're doing and that can be a big difference too it's not just the first time somebody comes to the convention and oh i sure had a good time made some friends and all this, but it's more like creating the glue that's going to keep people involved through the uh, the Leadership Fellows Program. So, and, you know, you've just really done a great job with that and uh, helping move that along. Hopefully you'll continue to do that. And I think that on the board, I have a feeling that you're going to be looking at a lot of those kinds of things as as time goes on, and and maybe help grow those programs. So, correct, correct. Every yeah. every year we learn that there's something uh, that we can do better, and so mm -hmm. we get feedback from the recipients. We actually notice some things ourselves as they didn't go as well as we thought they should, and we just every year there's something we uh, as a committee uh, look to change. You know, make right. it, make it better the next time. Now, next year, as you were speaking about these awards. Uh, next year is going to be a great year. We're having three classes of DKM first-timers and the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows that are coming together. And uh, it'll be the seventh year we've been uh, having the program for the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows. So that's an anniversary that we will uh, amplify. And we'll, we, we're going to work with them. And I'm asking them to join us in planning for next year so uh, it can be something that they would like for each one of those receptions that we will have for those two different award categories. And one thing I wanted to add uh, into, uh, so about something you just said earlier, this, these programs, they're both leadership development awards. So you don't have to be that terrific leader on either side. We, we wanted to work with you and, uh, and help you along the way uh, and help you to adventure, take uh, this adventure with us to see where you could contribute and where you feel best uh, serving uh, and I think that's when you're going to serve well when you find your place. And leadership doesn't always have to be a member of the ACB board of directors. That's correct. It might be being the best committee member you can be. 
That's um, <laughs> on a national level or on a, even a, a becoming a better worker in, in the local chapter or in the state. I mean, obviously, ACB wants to develop leadership within ACB, but strengthening the chapters and the affiliates strengthens ACB. That's and, correct. And moves people right on up that ladder. So, yeah, so we're glad to follow uh, those recipients and notice that some are doing more on the local level or the state affiliate level or special interest affiliate level, and then some just target uh, the national. Uh, or they just seem to see where they can fit in there uh, right. easier, you know. Right. Uh, right. So Deb Cook-Lewis being a, a J.P. Morgan Chase uh, recipient in 2016, and now she's first mm-hmm. vice president, uh, yeah. has a lot to offer and uh, – as she stated before, she didn't originally plan to run for that particular position this year, but it appears that it was time. Like, for each of us, it was time for where, yes. wherever we can fit and yeah. can make a difference. Yeah. Well, Kenneth, congratulations on being elected to the ACB board, and, um, and we're really pleased that you're there, and we appreciate you taking time today to talk to us on Soundprints and look forward to hearing a lot more about um, the the problems that you've been involved with, but also probably seeing some other new things coming along as well that you're uh, involved with. So, yes, I believe that will happen, and I thank you so much for inviting me uh, once again. Well, thank you. And again, congratulations. Okay, thank you. Page three. My name is Michael Smilman, and I am the Exhibits Coordinator for the American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention. Good morning, and welcome to the 2021 Exhibit Hall, which shall be virtual again this year. We have exhibitors ranging from high-tech to guide dogs and everything in between. I encourage you to listen to all exhibits, which will play three times each day. Some exhibitors submitted multiple recordings, so come back often and check out the recordings. Many members of ACB have grown used to different kinds of Zoom calls. The exhibits will be no different this year. 36 of our vendors will have a Zoom room for most days of the convention. Some others will have less. To find Zoom information for the exhibitors, you can go to acbconvention.org and tap on the exhibitor information page and you will be able to join one of the Zoom rooms. We have new exhibitors this year such as Sensi, who produces Braille books, Imagination Video Books with audio description, Good Maps, who produces building audio maps, Orbit, who makes a less expensive Braille display, we have the familiar exhibitors such as Vespero, Humanware, and Hymns. ACB Media Exhibit Hall Lineup Hour 1, Vespero, Guiding Eyes for the Blind, American Printing House for the Blind, Christian Record Services. Hour number 2, Charter Communications, The Seeing Eye, NRTC on Blindness and Low Vision, Imagination Video Books, and Eerie At. Hour number three, Amazon, Envision America, Dream Vision Group, Guide Dogs of America, 
and IAAIS. Number four, IRA, Guide Lights and Gadgets, and Guide Dog Products, Low Vision International America, Guide Dog Foundation, CCB on the move. Our number five, Verizon, Vanda Pharmaceutical, Envision Workforce, Newsreel Magazine, View Plus Technologies, and Leader Dogs for the Blind. Our number six, HumanWire, NLS, National Library Service, Guide Dogs for the Blind. Insightful Visionaries. Our number seven, National Braille Press, Hymns, Industries for the Blind, Roughware, Computers for the Blind, Good Maps, Hour 8, Beyond Vision, Sensi, San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind, Southeastern Guide Dogs, Bureau of Engraving and Printing, and AT Guys. Hope you enjoy your experience at the 60th Annual ACB Conference and Convention Virtual Exhibit Hall. Hello, my name is Gabrielle Barnes, and I'm from the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled at the Library of Congress. I'm here with Alice O'Reilly, the chief of our collections division, and today we'd like to talk about what NLS does to enhance the reader experience for our patron. Hi, Alice. Hi. Well, let's get started with something very simple. What is NLS? Okay, sure. NLS is a free library service at the Library of Congress for people who are blind, have low vision, or have a physical, perceptual, or reading disability that prevents them from reading or holding the printed page. We offer books and magazines and music material and audio and Braille. We replicate a mid-sized public library and collection content. We're interested in um, in fiction and nonfiction, all of the things that, you know, people would find in a regular library. Okay. And with your group within NLS, um, you make materials in Braille and audio. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does that work? Sure. Well, we started out producing Braille, and we've been doing that since 1931. And we also have been producing recorded books, audio books, or what we call talking books, since the mid-1930s, when material was actually distributed on LP records. And the technology has come a long way in the 90 years, but the basic work of selecting books, producing them in accessible format, and distributing them to patrons across the U.S. remains. So So we start with the selection process, and we have a group of dedicated selection librarians who scan all of the content that's produced across the United States. We, you know, work to find the things that are going to be the most meaningful to our patrons, series that are important. We really care about patron requests. We care about what the libraries want, and we work hard to kind of develop a collection that's going to tackle everybody's interests, you know, have something for everybody, which can be difficult when you're collecting on a national scale. We also catalog all of this content. We um, have a catalog where you can find information about different books, where you can find subject matters, you can search by title or author. And then we obviously produce this material in accessible format. 
And that can be Braille or audio. And um, then we quality assure it because we're really concerned that the material that we create for our patrons is accessible, but also really functional. You know, that there's no problems with the narration, that the Braille is really legible. You know, we pride ourselves in the quality of the work that we produce. And so we want to make sure that it goes through that final quality assurance step before we make it available to our patrons, either through our BARD system, which is a download form. I think we'll talk more about that. Or even um, through the mail. That's another way that people can have access to our content. So we try to make uh, content for people regardless of their interests. We have a lot of different areas of collection, and we also try to make it um, available to patrons no matter where they are or how they receive their content. That's awesome. So happy anniversary uh, to NLS. (laughs) That's true, 90 years. (laughs) 90 years. So in the past few years, audiobooks have exploded in their popularity. Mm -hmm. So how has the popularity of digital audiobooks changed your work at NLS? Well, you're right. The the audiobook market has really boomed over the last five years, maybe, maybe more. It depends on what your definition of boom is, but there certainly has been an uptake in the commercial market for audio content. And what we've been able to do is work with a number of our commercial partners. We've developed relationships with some of these audiobook producers, and they provide us that content at no charge. So what we're able to do is not use our resources to create content that already exists in the marketplace. We're able to leverage that, incorporate it into our collection, wrap it up in our DRM and make it available to our patrons um, so they can read things that are bestsellers, you know, things that are going to appear, you know, in a timely release with all of the rest of the kind of commercial marketplace. But what that lets us do is then frees up all of the money that we don't have to spend narrating Stephen King's or giant, you know, John Grisham novels or something like that. And we can turn it into something that's much more kind of custom for our patrons. So that could be um, older titles, you know, that weren't on the commercial world, weren't created in audio originally. That could be titles that maybe don't lend themselves to the commercial world. So like a cookbook or maybe a poetry book or a book that, you know, traditionally, if you had access to a print version, then you would want to read that in print. And so what we can do is take all of the money that we don't spend on those commercial books, put them into our much more kind of custom titles, and then expand our collection that much more. So we've been really fortunate to work with these commercial partners. They really let our budget go farther. They let us create more content and create a much more accessibly rich environment for our patrons to read in. Fantastic. So you mentioned that the NLS program is free, mm-hmm. um, but this is, you know, we've got a wide variety of materials. So other than the cost, how is a talking book that we get from NLS any different from a commercial audiobook? Sure. That's an interesting question. And I think it's really important to delineate the difference. While we really appreciate, like I said, the commercial content that we get, a lot of the audiobooks that are available commercially are still intended for a print reading audience. There might be some print supplements or there might be some content that's, you know, added um, in, a, in a print format that's not accessible to people who are print disabled. So what we really try to do is um, make sure that the entire book, just as a first step. We try to make sure the entire book is accessible. So if it comes with additional print content, we want to make sure that we have the that content, we make it narrated, and we you know stitch it together with the commercial content so we make a completely accessible book. But other than that, we also add enhanced navigation. You know, there's a lot of flipping around that you would do in a physical book. You know, you might put a bookmark and you might, you know, go back to a certain area. And that's where the combination of our player and our books are so exciting because if you get a digital talking book player, it lets you set bookmarks. It lets you take advantage of this really enhanced navigation so that you can jump around in the 
book in different ways, ways that you wouldn't be able to do in a commercial audiobook. So I think that NLS really offers you the complete package of reading. It gives you the player and it gives you the book. And those two combined create that print book experience. It replicates the print book experience so that you can have the ability to set your bookmarks. You can jump around by chapter. You can, you know, really kind of dig into the way that the book is constructed. And we really make sure that that is um, created for somebody in the accessible format, which you wouldn't be able to have if you were just reading something, maybe downloaded from Audible, which is super. It's a fantastic resource. And I think, you know, it's really working for a lot of people. But if you want to have a truly accessible experience, I think NLS is really the place to get that. And it's something that we really pride ourselves in. Another thing that um, the accessibility features that you're not going to see necessarily in a commercial book, although there's, you know, everybody is moving towards a more accessible format. I think everybody is understanding that audio is a really great place to kind of play and also to create and experiment. And so you see a lot of studios kind of expanding the work that they do. But fundamentally, you know, uh, creating an accessible book is, is unique to NLS. We have, um, we're working on graphic novels and um, ways of doing described images. And I think that's another thing that's kind of unique to the way that NLS produces is accessible content is that we um, have a lot of experience in this in this sphere, in this, you know, arena of understanding, you know, what it takes to make something truly accessible, what type of information is necessary to communicate when you don't have access to either like visually seeing the pictures, or maybe there's, you know, some other type of content that's that's provided to the reader only in print. So because we have 90 years of experience, but we also have a really great staff, we have really, you know, amazing experts that we work with to help us understand how to create accessible content. We are always coming up with new things. You know, we're always kind of like reimagining how we could do a better job, how we could make something, you know, more accessible, how people could experience it differently. And that's another exciting thing about accessibility is that it's really not one size fits all. A lot of people have different um, access points for their accessibility. You know, a lot of people might say, oh, I love a tactile graphic, and that doesn't work for some people. Some people find described images to be really helpful, and it doesn't work for other people. So what we're trying to do is create like a suite of accessibility so that everyone can have um have a really enhanced experience and that book comes to life like it would if it was a print book. So I think that it's the combination of NLS's 90 years of experience, our access to experts, knowing what we're doing, and also our kind of like dedication to this idea of accessibility that drives us, you know, every day to try to come up with new and better ways to do this. It's not one and done. You know, we're not done with accessibility at any point. That's always something to learn. There's always more that we can kind of do to grow our understanding of it. And, you know, we rely really heavily also on patron feedback. If people have ideas about ways that they would like to consume products differently, if there's a way that we can make a book more accessible for someone, I think it's always good to hear that feedback and contact your network library. Let them know that, you know, you have a good idea or something, and then they can send that information to the to NLS, you know, and, and it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. But we're always looking for new ideas. We're always looking for ways to respond to the patrons and to understand what patrons need and want in their accessible content. Awesome. I, I, I heard you saying... <laughs> I am an evangelist for accessibility. <laughs> I care very much about this. As well you should. As well you should. I think it's it's really interesting. You mentioned um, the enhanced navigation and accessibility mm-hmm. that you use with the digital talking book machine. That's right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that works in the um, BARD app? Um, because it's... Uh, 
I understand it's similar in mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. The, there are bookmarks and there's navigation points and things like that that um, patrons can use. Um, how do you how do you uh, you know compare the app and the um, machine when when looking at those kind of navigation points and accessibility features. Sure. Well, I think the nice thing about the app is that it's um, it came after the machine, right? So we had a really great model for what works and how to do it. And the app replicates that machine experience largely. It's got a lot of the same features visually. You know, the app looks a lot like the player. And um, it has a lot of the same functionality where you can um, store, you know, you can put your bookmarks and, and you can understand, you know, like navigate through the through the book in a, in a way that's not going to be available in a commercial content necessarily. And I think that also the interesting thing about the app is that you can do more with storage, um, which is something that, you know, the machine doesn't necessarily, the machine works with the cartridge, right? So those are, that's kind of like the pairing. But the, the app has this really great feature where you can download things to your wish list and then you can have more access to books. So if you think that you're going to be, you know, maybe offline for a while, then you can, you can access a bunch of content and then you can read it all, you know, while you're, while you're, well, it, you can download it to your phone. So I think that the way that the app and um, and the machine work together is the app is it's adjacent. You know, it's not exactly a replication because it does have some other like more enhanced features that work with the smartphone. Um, but the machine has a really great speaker. And, you know, there's lots of things that make the machine really nice to use. It's easily to discover. You know, there's a lot of really kind of um, easy to understand buttons. It'll help you like um reorient you to the to the buttons if you ever have any question about you know what a different feature does. So I think the app is fantastic, especially if you um, real, are familiar with your smartphone and you feel really comfortable with it or even kind of comfortable with it. Uh, it's definitely not hard to use. I would recommend that people um, download it. It's super simple. And the nice thing is, is that you can tap straight into BARD. And um, I talked time kind of quickly about BARD at the very beginning, but um, one of the most exciting things that we offer is this kind of like instant service for people who, um, who are patrons that use our BARD system. And BARD stands for Braille and Audio Reading Download. And what that does is if you get a username and a password, then you're able to access our entire collection. It's immediately downloaded to you. It comes to you, you know, right away. You can get whatever book you want. You can search for the content. You can download it to your phone. Or if you don't use a the smartphone, you can download BARD using your computer and you can put it on a cartridge. There's lots of different ways to access BARD. But the most exciting part is it's all there. And for people who... Um, maybe feel like there's not as much content available to them or it's hard to get books or maybe they don't have like the quickest, um, I don't know, relay of idea to getting the book. Like I thought I wanted to get this and it's taking me forever to ha- get access to it. BARD is a great way to like minimize that wait time. BARD will let you download as many books as you want. You can download a whole series. You know, it's a really fun way to have access to and kind of prowl around the system and, you know, have that serendipitous book discovery moment. So I would recommend that people also log into BARD Take a look around and, and see what's possible in BARD. You'll see that we have so much content available, and it's all at your fingertips. It's not hard to get at all. Fantastic. So it's very user-friendly. Extremely. Easy to learn. Yes. And, you know, um, easy to use. And it's free. It's totally free. You exactly. don't have to do anything. Right. So so I think one of the things that um, we mentioned a little bit, and uh, listeners can uh, listen out for a presentation about updates and benefits of using BARD mm-hmm. that that's going to be on another day uh, during this week. Um, but one of the things that we mentioned was that there are no fees or 
um, mm-hmm. any constraints that libraries may use with, you know, uh, copy constraints and things like that. Um, it's just, it's a really user-friendly, uh, easy-to-learn system. Um, and like you said, it, it mimics the, the machine in a way that um, allows for immediate download and immediate Yeah, and the fun use. thing about um, BARD is that it was built for people who understand how screen readers work and assistive technology works. So um, navigating the BARD website is really simple. You're not going to have a lot of, you know, frustrating pop-ups. You know, the way that the, that the website is organized and the way that it's constructed is something that's going to work really seamlessly with the assistive technology you might have on your computer. So it's not something that's going to be frustrating or, you know, kind of difficult to navigate. You won't kind of get into a space where you can't do anything. Um, so there's it, it deals with tabs nicely. It really is built for our patrons. It was built by us for our patrons. And I think that that sometimes is, um, it's an underrated feature, you know, to have something that works so seamlessly with a lot of the assistive technology that exists in the world and the way that people are engaging with the websites. Fantastic. Alice, we really appreciate you talking to us today. Um, I have so much more I could tell you. <laughs> People well, will just have to contact their network libraries because they, too, have so much they could tell you. Fantastic. The other thing that people can do is to follow the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in hearing more about NLS, uh, listen in for our other presentations on our Braille e-reader pilot, uh, their future plans for content delivery, and on updates to BARD. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.